The epistle for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from the first epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Brethren, I make known unto you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast after what manner I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and after that by the eleven. Then was he seen by more than five hundred brethren at once, of whom many remain until this present, and some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace in me hath not been void. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. Mark, the seventh chapter. At that time, Jesus, going out of the coast of Tyre, came by the Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring to him one deaf and dumb, and they besought him that he would lay his hand upon him. And taking him from the multitude apart, he put his fingers into his ears, and spitting, he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he groaned and said to him, Ephata, which is, Be thou opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke right. And he charged them that they should not tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal did they publish it. And so much the more did they wonder, saying, He hath done all things well. He hath made both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. And taking him apart from the multitude, he saith to him, Ephata, which is, Be thou opened. And immediately the string of his tongue was loosed. These words are taken from the Gospel of today's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, there is a legend which says that one day God sent an angel to earth with a very special task. The angel was to find the most beautiful thing in creation and to bring it back to heaven. The angel searched far and wide. He saw many wonders of nature. He saw much goodness in the hearts of men. And he saw many beautiful things. One day the angel came upon a great battlefield. On this battlefield there, lie, there lay a dying soldier. The soldier was nearing his end and he was in great pain. But his heart was filled with love and joy that he could give his life for his country. The angel 
gathered up a few drops of his blood, and then returned to heaven. For surely blood shed from love was the most beautiful thing on earth. But God told the angel to continue his search, for there was something on earth more beautiful than that. And so the angel began his search again, searching even into the hearts of men for what the most beautiful thing might be. Soon it happened that he came upon a solemn funeral procession. The funeral was for a great man, a generous and kind man, a friend of the poor and a benefactor of many. Among the procession there were widows, orphans, and other victims of misery. Their hearts were filled with gratitude toward a man who had unselfishly spent himself to alleviate their suffering and to provide for them. The angel took a bit of the gratitude from the heart of one of the poor and flew back to heaven with it. Perhaps this warm and spontaneous thanksgiving for favors received was the most beautiful thing on earth. But again, the angel was disappointed. No, said God, there is something more beautiful still. Return to earth and continue your search. The angel went back and began to search again, feeling a bit dejected. He went in and out of homes. He entered palaces and cottages, wondering how he would know the most beautiful thing on earth when he saw it. The angel was beginning to lose hope when he entered a church. The church was dimly lit, but there were several people scattered throughout the pews and a few kneeling close by the confessional where the priest was seated. Among those waiting to go to confession was a young woman. The angel noticed that she seemed overwhelmed with grief. Indeed, she had sinned, but now she wished she hadn't. Her eyes were turned up to heaven, humbly pleading for pardon, and tears of penitence were on her cheeks. The angel caught one of these penitential tears and in a moment had returned to our Lord's divine presence. This time, God was pleased. This indeed is the most beautiful thing on earth, God declared, and there is nothing I value more than true contrition which proceeds from pure love. My dear friends, the man in the gospel today is a figure of poor sinners who need to be cured by the power and mercy of our Lord. Our Lord took him apart from the crowd, as every man entering the confessional goes apart from all the others, to seek the mercy and forgiveness of God. And before working this miracle, our Lord groaned aloud, almost as though he was in pain himself. And he did this to help us understand how terrible is the condition of a sinner and of sin itself. But no matter how enmeshed or entangled in sin a person may be, 
There is no disease of the soul that our Lord cannot heal. With as much ease as he healed the man who is deaf and dumb in the gospel. The Catechism tells us that confession is the telling of our sins to the priest for the purpose of obtaining forgiveness. Very often the priest gets into the pulpit and speaks about going to confession, how important it is, what a blessing it is, and so on. It's actually not possible for us to realize how amazing what happens in the confessional truly is. One author says that the restoration of sanctifying grace to a soul that is dead in sin is actually a more spectacular thing than than the admission of a soul to heaven. He says this is so because heaven is the natural end, so to speak, of the life of grace here on earth. If we die in the state of grace, it is natural, the normal thing to go to heaven. Because sanctifying grace is eternal life begun in us. But there is no natural remedy for the spiritual death of the soul. It takes a miracle of grace to restore life to a soul which is dead in mortal sin. This miracle takes place each and every time a priest gives absolution in the confessional to someone who is in a state of mortal sin. God doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do it even once. But for some, perhaps, he does it many times, willingly and happily. And not only does he forgive us in the confessional, he does it eagerly. He is waiting there for us with a desire and a longing that we can't possibly imagine. The sacrament of penance is truly an amazing thing, which is why we must not only make use of it, but we must also be careful never to abuse it. And there are two ways in which the sacrament of penance may be abused. First, of course, by making incomplete confessions, that is, by trying to cover up or omit a sin which we know is a mortal sin. By doing so, a person only adds to his guilt. Or in the words of St. Augustine, in failing to confess one's sins, a person does not hide himself from God, but rather he hides God from himself. The devil in his pride and obstinacy He has never asked pardon for his crime, nor will he ever do so, since his will is immovably fixed in evil. If we imitate him, the devil, in his refusal to seek forgiveness, we will share in his condemnation. The second way we can abuse the sacrament of penance is by making insincere confessions. We know from our catechism that one of the requirements of a good confession is a firm purpose of amendment. If a person lacks this purpose of amendment, his confession is insincere. He is asking pardon for his sins, but at the same time, 
He does not intend to avoid them in the future. Of course, no one can ever be sure that he won't fall again, especially if he is struggling to overcome a bad habit of sin. But the intent must be there to use all the means in our power to avoid sin in the future. We must intend to avoid the near occasions of sin. We must intend to pray for help. That's what it means to make a firm resolution not to sin again. And as I said, if this intention is lacking, then so is our contrition. I'm not saying this to make someone feel scrupulous or anxious about past confessions. I'm certainly not saying it to make someone hesitant uh, to approach the confessional in the future. I'm saying it because if we abuse this sacrament, it will only increase our guilt rather than help us to save our souls like God intends and desires. And so if in the past you have made bad confessions, then make a good one now. If there is some sin you have been afraid to mention, something that has been bothering your conscience, do not hesitate to mention it to Father in the confessional. Approach this sacrament with a sincere desire to amend your life. Realize the great pain sin causes our Lord to suffer and the punishment that they would cause us to suffer if we did not repent of them. Be determined to avoid sin and its near occasions in the future. And when you have made a good confession, be confident that those sins are truly forgiven, just as God promised they would be. That confidence, too, is an important part of the confession. As God himself declared in the story, he wants us to go to confession. He wants us to have contrition for our sins. There is nothing more beautiful in the world, nothing more near and more dear to the sacred heart of our Redeemer than tears shed for our sins. Frequent use of the confessional will help you to overcome sins, big or small, habitual or not. St. John Bosco used to say that there is no sin, there is no vice, no matter how vicious, that will not be eradicated by frequent and humble confession, together with a firm purpose of amendment. Thank God for his goodness and mercy, and never neglect to ask Our Lady for the grace of true contrition, proceeding from love, which grace she will obtain for you from, from her divine Son, the Sacred Heart. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.